This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh, and the stanimal to my Joker is here. Brandon, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, Josh. That's a reference to us actually attending the U.S. Open final yesterday, which, what an That's occasion right. that was. We were one of those jerks that got free corporate tickets, and we uh, we milked it for everything it was worth. Uh, trust us, it was not free corporate tickets because we do a fantasy Premier League <laughs> podcast. It's from, from our other uh, more miserable lives, I think. <laughs> Working lives. But it was, it was a great match, but interesting in terms of sport, Djokovic ended up losing to Stan Wawrinka. It was sad. Djokovic is a great tennis player, it's always, but it's never fun to see an athlete at that height to lose because their body just fails them or they break down in yeah. the middle of a match. I call it Wayne Rooney's disease. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was, it was a great weekend, uh, uh, full of celebration. We did the U.S. <laughs> Open and also good friend of the podcast and great British Bake Off celebrity Ian Waters, Mr. Baked Alaska himself, got <laughs> married. So, Josh, I want to take this opportunity quickly to, to uh, congratulate Ian and his beautiful bride and getting married. Ian, this episode is dedicated to you and your wife and your children, should you choose to have them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your grandchildren, for that matter. Uh, and so it's Brandon, dedicated to Ian's Baked Alaska, <laughs> my fantasy team. So, Brandon, you may recall in last week's episode we discussed uh, having some kind of theme music for, for Dia Mercy and Bacani. He was sort of the patron saint of the podcast in many ways. Uh, he would never cheat himself. Now, you and I, we can only... You know, we can only achieve mediocrity in this game because we are always cheating. But for a player as talented as Dan Mercy and Bacani, uh, this this is it's it's talent, it's hard work, and it's gumption. It's yeah. it's the big the big three, if you will. Big, so we decided we needed... he, he might not always be playing, but he's never <laughs> cheating. That's true. He's, he's never cheating. Would never cheat on his wife, for example. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bacani, uh By the way, yeah, I don't think we realized when we called the podcast "Always Cheating" that if you Google "Always Cheating," it's like we come up. It's like the website, the SoundCloud page, the Twitter feed. The Facebook page, and then it's like just twenty things about like, is he cheating on you? Yeah, and, no, it's uh, true. So. I, 
I was flying to India last year in February, and we were flying Emirates Air, me and my wife, on our honeymoon. And I sent out an Instagram from the airplane that said, even on my honeymoon, still participating in my favorite pastime, hashtag always cheating. And it was a picture of, <laughs> of me watching a Premier League game. And then I suddenly realized how that could have been misconstrued. Like, always <laughs> cheating on my honeymoon, on my wife. No, that's... No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but, but that that's not Mbakani. That's not his way. Uh, I used to say Mobakani, by the way, but I think Mbakani is the is the proper pronunciation of his name, right? Wouldn't you say? Mbakani sounds correct to me. We'll go with that <laughs> okay. one. Anyway, we need some music for Mbakani when he comes on. He does come up fairly often in the podcast. So obviously, you know, we can't play this music all three hundred times that he comes up. But maybe the first time or two we can. So anyway, we got a lot of good suggestions. Uh, P.O.D. was suggested. And uh, I think uh, Stone Cold Steve Stone- Austin entry music. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of metal was 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 uh, suggested. And then finally, uh, Cormac O.C. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. I'm sorry, Cormac. And you want to you want to give it a shot, Brandon? Uh, I'll go Cormac O'Conhuber. I think it's actually I think it's pronounced Middlesbrough. I think All right. That's how okay. you <laughs> Sidebar regarding the uh, the great Middlesbrough controversy of, of this season. I am I am from this point forward only referring to that team and that place as Middlesbrugger because I refuse to further engage with our listeners on on how I, I, I have a ter- this terrible pronunciation. Okay, you're right. Middlesbrugger it is. From here on out, it's Middlesbrugger. Uh, okay, so anyway, Cormac O.C. says... Uh, this has got this has got to be your uh, Mbakani song, and then he sent us uh, Marvin Gaye's "Mercy, Mercy Me," which, uh, if you think of the full the full deal, "Mercy" Mbakani name, it's it's very it's very appropriate. It's very it's, very apt. It's, it's very apt. It's poetic. It's beautiful. Let's play a little clip. Oh, oh my God, that's perfect. That just screams. <laughs> Dear Mercy and Bacani to me. So we'll play as, as, as long of that song as we can uh, without actually getting sued. So we'll, uh, we'll try to bury it. Marvin Gaye estate. Yeah, we'll bury it in hour three or four of the podcast so people can't. Uh, so, you know, no one at like Arista or whatever Island Records is going to listen that long. <laughs> All right, Josh, enough, enough funny stuff. How did we actually right. do this? Game week four, it was it was a weird one. It was um, it was very rough going early on, but I think we finished strong. We finished reasonably strong, at least above average, incredibly. Um, yeah, I had I had a pretty brutal week. I, I was a very frustrating Saturday in particular. I took a lot of my anger out on uh, on Shane Long on Twitter. I uh, you know it's one of those you ever send a tweet out and then like later on you're like, geez, that was mean. You know, like I didn't mean to be that mean. Sure. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not above deleting tweets. I delete. Like Andre Gray. I. <laughs> <laughs> I'll delete the occasional uh, always cheating tweet if I think it's too mean. Uh, but this one got too many likes and retweets, and so I had to keep it up there. But I, it was just something like I've had a as, as awful as my week has been. It's not as awful as Shane Long is as a football player. Or something like that. It I was mean, really. To, it was, it to was be big, fair, cool. Shane Long blew so many golden opportunities in that Arsenal game. Truly. I I actually like Shane Long as a player. Um, He's okay. <laughs> Uh, when I say I like him, I don't think he's like like Ronaldo or anything like that. But yeah. I do find yeah. him to be a likable player. 
So I had a I had a terrible Saturday. It started to turn around a little bit uh, on the the late match on Saturday when uh, Jamie Vardy was gifted the no one this season will have an easier goal than Jamie Vardy scored. Um, and in the end, he actually missed a couple chances too. He could could have done even better, but in the end, I, I felt lucky to walk away with six points from that match. Uh, Liverpool absolutely destroyed Leicester. Leicester did not have anything for for being off for two weeks and not having all their like it wasn't like every player in that team was away at international break they had nothing in the tank it was like it was like week 39 for them you know like it was you know i don't know it was strange so uh to to get anything from that match i thought was kind of a victory uh and then we both captain hazard on on sunday uh which was a complete disaster as everybody knows um total disaster yeah it just it goes to show i mean for you know like we have to bear in mind that hazard did quit on his team last year and so he's maybe not the most like weekend okay well i'm sure some chelsea fans will disagree with me here but it certainly seemed like hazard kind of quit on the team last year uh until you know like game week 35 or 36 or something like that and it does seem like he's kind of a he's 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 not the player he was two or three years ago. He seems like he kind of turns it on and turns it off. And so yeah. uh, it'd be, it's going to be hard for me to captain him again anytime soon unless it's a you know, particularly enticing fixture. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get much better, though, than, than uh, a way to a Swansea team that, that has a really unsettled defense right now. You know, it's, it was just one penalty decision away from Hazard getting a spot kick and bringing himself into that match. He had a couple uh, run-ins on goal uh, he had a great run where he got his shot off, uh, but Fabianski easily saved it. It's a bit harsh on him. I think the and the yellow card does him no favors in in FPL yeah. owners' eyes. Yeah. So I was down. Uh, I, I I dropped about eight hundred thousand spots uh, at the end of the day, the day on Sunday, and uh, I was pretty I was pretty concerned. Uh, and I was like, well, I just need to get something out of Belasi and Lukaku to redeem my week a little bit, uh, and. Hat trick, three bonus points for Lukaku, and uh, assist, clean sheet bonus, and bonus point for uh, for Belasi. And as I ended up picking up twenty four points on Monday, and uh, totally saved my week. Um, I picked up more points in that game week than I had from the rest of my nine <laughs> players combined. Uh, so I finished on forty five points, which isn't amazing, but it was enough that I actually had some green arrows this week. And so I'm, yeah. you know, it was it was okay. I'm I'm, sorry, I'm still up in that top. You know, I'm like you know, I'm at like four hundred thousand, which is not like where I want to be long term, but fine for now. You know, I'm not even trying to rain on your parade, Josh, but Lukaku legitimately could have had anywhere between 10 and 25 goals against that Sunderland yeah. defense. I just as a quick sidebar here, uh, Belasi is a really fun player to watch. And I didn't really realize that until I was watching this match. Uh, he plays. He's got a lot of energy, you know, I mean, just like actual even like on his face, like he's very he's very yeah. animated and he seems like he's really trying. He's, he's talking to his teammates the whole time. And he seems like a, he seems like, a, like the kind of person you'd want to play with on your team. When he's doesn't it feel that way, like. I yeah. totally agree. Plus, the, just the sight of him when he's in full flight, I, I can't imagine being able to catch that guy when he's really got his legs under him down the down the, the wing there. Totally. He had two great crosses to Lukaku. He scored in and one, and then he had one in the first half they should have scored on. Even more so, and this is what makes me tempted to invest in Balassi, is Coleman has been experimenting the last two game weeks of playing Balassi in the number 10 role through the middle late in the game. Either after yeah. Berkeley gets subbed out, and that seems to work. Belasi's versatility there, and if Lukaku's firing, that could be a very potent combination. Yeah. So, and you, so you own um, Ross Barkley. How did you feel about that? About his performance in this match? 
Well, I mean, what did I expect? It's it's the same thing with Coutinho uh, that sadly happens season in, season out, where these guys are gods one week, and then for the next three to four weeks, they completely disappear. And Barkley yeah. has, has done this for the last two seasons, and he's doing it again. He, he, there are all these uh, headlines before the season starts where Barkley was infused with all this confidence that Komen gave him, and he's like, I know I have to work on my game. This is the season where I take it to the next level. Right. And I guess this is the season where everyone just probably gives him the genocide treatment. Like, well, <laughs> you could go play in the Bundesliga if you want. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I, Barkley's too good not to not to keep his starting spot, I, I would think, but uh, it has to give Comb and pause a little bit, right? That they brought him out and they brought on um, De La Feu. De La Feu, who actually looked very good. I mean, the best he's looked in all four matches, I would say. I mean, he looked okay to, at times in game week one, but yeah. To a to very degree, he looked good, but toward the end of the match, it, he, De La Feu was only, he was only playing 45 minutes, and still at the end of the match, he was. If a cross didn't go his way, he'd throw his arms up and he'd complain to the sideline ref and he'd walk back. If you're yeah. a manager watching that sort of uh, behavior, I I don't know. I just I, I, yeah. I, I bring my bias to the table. I don't like him as a player, but I, yeah, I, he, I, I don't see bit, De La Feo suddenly getting a starting berth. I would say that De La Feo was a little unlucky not to get any attacking points in that match, though. I mean, all, all three goals and some of the goals that that Lukaku didn't score yeah. uh, were were pretty much set up by De La Feo in some ways. I mean, he really was all over the place. Yeah. So Barkley was one of the leftovers from my wild card that I played this week. And, uh, yeah, that, he's probably the one player <laughs> that survived my wild card that I'm most disgusted with. Yeah, I was surprised. So I, so you played your wild card this week. I took a look at it, uh, you know, Saturday morning, expecting to see a you know, radically different team. And I, I felt like you only dropped about five players, maybe five or six. It felt very similar to the team that you, uh, that you had before the wild card. Well, let's see. Uh, let's run through my team real quick, just to give you a sense of how my wild card <laughs> played itself. So, so I ended the, I ended the week with forty seven, largely thanks to Kyle Walker uh, being amazing, and then I, I I did bring in Diego Costa. So De Gea survived the wild card. I brought in Pickford for Victor Valdez. Great, love that. Ashley Williams survived. I brought in Gareth McCauley for George Friend. Kyle Walker survived. And it's then, a one-point gain there. Yeah, exactly. And I brought in Jordi Amat uh, for value. 4.1. Looks like he's a sure start. Not that I'll ever play a Swansea defender. <laughs> that, that oh, I, and, you, oh and, you brought in, and you brought in Kapue, who we'll talk about later. Yeah, so yeah, midfield, <laughs> brought in Kapue, and I brought him in just because I was sure I would make money off of him. I, I really... I mean, every, everyone is asking the same question. Is he going to keep it up? And I... I just didn't think I'd ever have to think about playing him. I'd throw him on my bench. I'd just make some money, and then when the time came to sell, I could probably have point two, point three off of him. Right. Uh, I mean, his but, his ownership is up to what twenty twenty three point six percent right now. It's, it's shockingly high. Yeah. So I, I did bring in Kapue. I had to get rid of Jordan Ive and Gaston Ramirez. Gaston Ramirez didn't even get to start this week, so I was pretty happy with both of those drops. Brought in Kapue and Jason Punchin. You know, everyone's talking about all the crosses that are being put in now for Crystal Palace, for Benteke, Punch, Punch, and Zaha looked fantastic in that. I mean, that's a Zaha yeah. you rarely see. A Zaha that can finish it's, and a Zaha that can cross. 
It's true. Uh, when you, when you, the Zaha that can cross, you do see it sometimes. But the Zaha who can finish, you, don't, you rarely see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like he has these stretches every now and then where you're like, God, if you could just if you could harness this, you know, if you could find a way to play like this every week, he'd be uh, he, he'd be playing for Man United, right? I mean, he'd be playing for the team that yeah. that saw that promise. And you know, right. the fact, I, I I guess the reason he's playing for Crystal Palace is that he just can't find a way to, to summon it every single week. Yeah, no, uh, it's true. So, so in the end, forty-seven points. Are you are you happy with your wild card? Um, if you if you you know if you if you did your wild card again, would you change anything? Uh, maybe. So I ended up bringing Mezit in Mezit Ozil and Kazorla. Obviously, is the really good looking uh, and budget conscious Arsenal midfielder of choice, uh, and that would have freed me up to do a little bit more when I bring Aguero back in. So yeah. maybe maybe Ozil, I'm kind of bumming about. I mean, the fact that I have Ross Barkley, fine, whatever. I can get rid of him, and at his price, I can bring in uh, a good amount of potential. Costa is worrying. So watching Costa play in that Swansea match was like a psychedelic experience, like borderline <laughs> psychotic. Uh, there, were, there were moments of great euphoria, and then there were moments of, deep paranoia and and terror and i i just don't know how much longer i can stand to own this guy because yeah again he could have another yellow card sent off multiple times for dives and 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 strange challenges and it was just very graceful that he ended up giving giving me two goals otherwise i'd be very unhappy right now and yet he was he was a very good save away from having a, uh, a hat trick as yeah, well. No, it's true. Fabianski did make a great, and that would have been a assist for Hazard as well, which we all would have benefited from. I know it was kind of a, I was I was debating in my head whether uh, what what like what option I preferred uh, because it would have basically sealed the deal in our our personal and our fifty buck cup. Uh, but I knew, like overall rank wise, it would have been nice to have that Azard assist because, and typically Azard, you know, when he gets an assist, he also gets bonus points too. So I, I don't know what his BPS was uh, for this match, but I, I'm sure it was. It's almost well, always pretty. I high. mean, every defender was on a yellow card at that point. I don't think any yeah. defender was gonna was gonna pick anything up. But yeah, on the whole, sure. real, real quick, am I happy with my wild card? I, th- I think philosophically, you. It's not like you play your wild card and you're guaranteed to get 100 points the next week. Sure. I, I'm unsatisfied with getting a very average 47 points. But on the whole, I feel like my team is much more functional now than it was prior to. I had a lot of bum midfielders in my squad and a mm-hmm. couple of pro- problematic defenders. So I feel like I can work with this team going forward. It's not a, it's not a bust. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I, yeah, I like it. I mean, I like it more than mine. I, I would say in some ways, although I, I do prefer having Lukaku over over Costa for I guess all the reasons that you just named. I also like his fixtures a little more going forward. I was I was, I was really uh, kicking myself uh, on Sunday uh, afternoon, you know, because I, I went back and forth between Costa and Lukaku all week, and um, you know, I mean, it worked out great with Lukaku in the end. But I mean, you know, the first fifty minutes or so, uh, fifty five minutes of the Everton match, I was like, Well, what a you know, what a blunder. Like why did I I almost wrote more snarky tweets, you know? So uh, <laughs> well anyway spe- speaking of Lukaku though, let's get into the mm-hmm. Hail Cheater Super League. And fun fact, every single manager in the top ten right now in the Hail Cheater Super League played Lukaku this game week. Really? Only wow. one only one manager played Costa 
in that they played both Lukaku and Costa up front. Wow, that is fascinating. So I, was, uh, I, I think what that might speak to is how tight it is points-wise that the Lukaku hat, hat trick pushed a lot of people up to the top 10, but as great managerial uh, decisiveness there to bring him in and play him. Another fun fact, Josh, before we run <laughs> through the top 10. Yeah. Uh, Eddie and Kapue only features in one uh, top 10 team's starting 11. Which so, team is that? Uh, that is in Thor's top four value. And I think it says it right there in the name, value. So Thor Vidal, well done to you. Well done, Thor. All right, Josh, Josh, just take us, just take us straight through the top ten. All right, number one is Gloria Prieto, Spleeb Splore. Uh, number two is uh, Fleetwood, Fa- Fleetwood Fatstacks, Dylan Tenty. Uh, number three is uh, the aforementioned Thor's top four value. Uh, tied for third is uh, Elliot Dosky's Chuck Bass. Uh, number five is Lads on Torre, uh, Nick Foster's team, Nick Forster's team, that is. Uh, number five also is Queens Park Strangers. That's a nice, simple, I like that team name. It's clean. I'm a big fan. You know? Nice work, Edward. Yeah, Edward Pickford. Uh, no Hit Wonders, uh, Dimitri Vanderink is, oh, No, no Hit Wonders, two stars, excuse me. Uh, Dimitri Vanderink is Is that uh, like a seven. Michelin rating system that Dimitri has for his team? I think he's a food critic as well, so I think that it's a two-star rating. So a real dilettante. Uh, <laughs> uh, hating me for, uh, so let, me, let me try this again. Hating me for Mignolet, uh, William Sutton is in eighth place. Uh, that's a team change name for uh, for William Sutton. A team name change. Uh, Children of the Coon, Polander. Uh, you, I think you have to do these going forward, Brandon. Uh, Children of the Coon. Uh, <laughs> You're doing great, Josh. Keep Polander it. Polander Wolken is ninth, uh, and Tekker Slovakia. Uh, Adam Jacques is in tenth. Congratulations to all of you, especially you, Queens Park Strangers, because I like that team name. <laughs> All right, and uh, as usual, we'll post to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the results of our uh, Always Cheating Showstoppers head-to-head league. Josh, did you win your matchup? Who did you play this week? Uh, I played uh, Barry Shields uh, Racing uh, Sheltander this week, and I did. I beat it by three points. It was the late Belasi assist that did it for me. Man, that's a tough beat. That is a tough <laughs> beat. Uh, yeah, I played. I played Dev, Dave Wagner Lodal, and it came. Long down. time, long time listener of the pod. Yep, yep, and, and I finished ahead of him. Uh, it was it was a tough match, though. So uh, maybe next time, Dave. <laughs> so I'm now two and two in the Showstoppers League, which I'm I, I can handle that. So we were looking at the Premier League table, and there's not a single team that has a two zero oh, and two record. Which, I mean, I guess that's not remarkable that. Either the teams are kind of bad or they're kind of good, so why would they be 2-0-2? Oh, but I, I, what are the odds out of 20 teams? There's not two, oh, and two, a 2-0-2 oh, team. That's a little surprising. But I am, I am the whole Tigers of the Showstoppers League because I'm 2-1-1. One, one. <laughs> Degeneration Alex says, end the game week, top five in the Hail Cheater Super League. Sadly, this was Sunday after the Swansea-Chelsea match, and I don't see Alex in the top ten right now, Brandon. Bummer for Alex. We should have really pulled some strings, some always cheating strings, and <laughs> ended the game week for him. Just just wants to give Alex that feeling. Scott Gill on Twitter also says, Big shout-out to Uncle Pogs Dabin in, Hale, in the Hail Cheaters Super League, who captained Kapuwe. Like, there, that is some some guts right there. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not going to call it anything other than guts. 
Yeah, guts is one word for it. Uh, Aiden Green says, uh, the moment when you're up 21 in the AC Showstoppers League and they have Lukaku, Jagielka, and you have Barkley. Hashtag oh, death. Man. That is, I mean, at least I still had Ashley Williams when Barkley came off for my team for a dreaded one-pointer. Uh, if right. all you had was Barkley in that match and you knew Everton was going to open that door at some point. Yeah. Just yeah. like sickening. Yeah, picking up that clean sheet, I think, did soften the blow for you a little bit. At least it was. At least you picked up six points. Yeah. No, it's true. It 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 did save my head to head with you. I had to I had to have that clean sheet. There was a moment at which maybe Sunderland could score and knock me out of contention of the head to head. Anyway, speak. I'm basically having a meltdown right now, so we should just <laughs> jump right into our meltdowns of the week, right, Josh? Uh, Tuck Nine says uh, that moment during the first game when a small thing doesn't go your way and you know your whole game week. Afterwards will be a write-off. So what, yep. Tucker captains Laton? Is that what I meant to glean from this? I no, I don't think. Actually, Tucker uh, Tucker was my head-to-head opponent this week in the in the Showstoppers League, and we had a we had a very similar team actually. In the end, it came, I had a, I had a little two-point lead. I had a two-point lead plus Belasi versus uh, versus Ashley Williams. So it was it's about as close as it can get for the last yeah. match, right? I mean, right. you know, good chance for clean sheet, but also. Sunderland certainly could score a goal, you know, at home. Another meltdown comes from Mohamed Al-Kiasi on Twitter. He says, how do you recover after a week when all of your players get zero, one, or two points? Yeah, I'm sorry, Mohamed, but you, you can't recover. That's, you know, <laughs> I hope you like Just fantasy baseball. Put your team in the bin. Big Alaska style. Big style. I love it. All right, the, the biggest meltdowns, though, this week were all captain fails. A, a large majority of FPL managers captain Hazard. So we got a lot of responses based on that. Tony at, uh, at underscore YMNKA says, was talked out of bringing in Costa and giving him the captain this week. I hate everyone. <laughs> and he and Hale cheated, cheaters us, which, you know, like, they tagged at the end, which immediately made me think, oh, God, did we did we advocate against bringing in Costa this week? But I, I don't think so. I usually think I told someone to Captain Costa over Hazard on Twitter. I don't think it was Tony, but it was somebody. So you, you can't I, pin this one on us, Tony. Can't pin this one on us, Tony. Uh, George Allen says, uh, why did I Captain Hazard frowny face? You know, George, we're in the same position you are. It was... Uh, <laughs> It was frustrating. But, you know, you, uh, your captains aren't going to score every week. This is one of our 10 tips for not losing your mind in our, you know, if you cast your mind back to episode 42 or whatever it was, uh, some good you fortune, know, though, captains Eric, do not always score. The, the good fortune, though, for somebody, uh, Eric Forsh says, in my haste, I swapped Costa for Aguero, but forgot to switch my captain to Ebra, which was apparently his intention. So it stays on Costa. He gets uh, 12 points doubled. So uh, Eric yeah, Abbott Abbott was blessed this week. And he wrote hashtag humble brag, which I like. Uh, Shabo Shetsy. Has, hashtag happy accident. I know. Uh, yeah, I, the long-standing always-treating policy. No humble brags. Uh, Uppercut Panda says, always Captain Lukaku? Yes. <laughs> Why not? Maybe from, you know, during his streaky runs, he's actually a great captain option. He's actually a pretty good captain option for game week five, which we can talk about later. Uh, they're home to Middlesbrough next week. And, uh, yeah, I, I would feel very confident Captain Lukaku at this point. Uh, you know, it's funny because, and not to get on a tangent here, uh, too much of one at least, but, you know, when Lukaku scored two goals in the internationals last week, uh, there was a lot of people on Twitter who were really negging him a lot. And they were like, well, they, they weren't great goals or they weren't, um, <laughs> they weren't as good as like, they weren't, I don't know, they were, they were headers or something, you know, but 
his job is to score headed goals. I mean, he's a huge guy. He's a massive center. I mean, you know, Didier Drogba also scores a lot of goals on headers. You know, it's just, it was very strange. Like the whole point with strikers is that they are, they are like confidence factories, you know? And like when, the, when everything's flowing in the, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like they're completely different players when they have confidence. And when they're not, they're, they, they can look terrible. And so just scoring two goals is enough for him to, you know, uh, Coleman said as much in the press conference after the game. He said, you know, just he needed those goals. It just made him, like, remember that he could score, you know. So um, anyway, uh, Dave Baker says, uh, um, I guess Lukaku is a must-have now. I don't know about that. Well, that's a that's a. I I feel you you have to feel that way after a guy like Lukaku scores a hat trick, but that's just it's a knee jerk. That's a knee jerk. Maybe next week he blinks. Maybe he's trolling us like old times next week. You, it's we you, we, we can can't see the, see the return of troll Kaku at any minute. Yeah. All right, and finally Luke Thurnberg he uh, tweeted us said, "Can you guys talk about the guys who failed this week? I.e. Hazard, Ozil, Sanchez, Redmond, Lamella, etc." You guys think this was a one-off, or is it going to be a reoccurring problem? Uh, I mean, a lot of them can be explained. I I actually thought Ozil looked pretty good, uh, but he was playing with a new striker. Um, They, you know, he didn't have uh, Sanchez. I think that when when Sanchez and Ozil are playing together, it makes both of them better. Uh, Sanchez was coming from international break, and so it was a one-pointer. I thought Redmond actually looked okay at times. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the striking issue with Redmond. Um, so I, I just think it's too soon, you know, especially coming out of the international break, almost all the teams that we're looking at here brought in new players, you know, and, um, strangely, you know, Chelsea was the one team that, that, that bought heavily and didn't actually bring in either their, their, their two new defenders. Um, so we'll I think to, they, they, they gave John Terry an opportunity to fake an injury so that he can leave, <laughs> he can leave his Chelsea career gracefully when David Luiz slots in for a next game week. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they if they do go to that three at the back. You know, that that was a, it was a formation that Southampton played a lot last year, where you have you have three central defenders and then two two wings. So uh, there actually could be five defensive options uh, long term at Chelsea, which is kind of interesting. So I, I just think it was a strange week. International break, the the game week after international break is always kind of strange. You know, a lot of top players come in as subs. A lot of other players were traveling all around the world and. I mean, Brandy, you remember you couldn't uh, when you came back from Edinburgh, you could barely. You could barely kick a ball. <laughs> it's true, yeah. My <laughs> legs just totally gave out on me. I, you, yeah, I, get so, this sense, I get this sense with uh, Arsene Wenger as well. Like He's taken all the injury criticism to heart, and he seems to be playing much safer with his players. Particularly, Sanchez has this reputation for coming back after an international break and just jumping right back into the fire because he's just right. that kind of a, a player. Uh, and the fact that he wasn't started, he didn't start this week, I think it's just telling that Wenger is really trying to protect protect his team for the long haul. Lamella is an interesting one, though, particularly with uh, with Champions Son League. Son playing so well. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah. Son playing rotation and Champions League. Spurs have really gone to great lengths to deepen that squad. I think Arsenal, they, they have a, a clearer starting eleven. I mean, with with a few exceptions than Spurs do. So Lamella is probably the one here that I'd be most has the most question marks. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, so it's um I, I think just to answer Luke's question, I think this was a one off, and I, I I think all the players he named are Dozel Sanchez, Rebin, um, just in general, a lot of underperforming players. I mean, you know, you could uh, Raheem Sterling, you could add to that list. Uh, just I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't chalk it up to anything more than a, a one off. All right, let's switch gears a little bit here, Josh. We actually got a question on Twitter from Scott Gill that says, "Where are the clean sheets?" Should we have rock bottom defenders and GKs and put the money towards attackers? And this got you wondering, Josh, well, how do the clean sheets through four game weeks this season compare to last season? And you put together this table that we're going to try and update going forward, at least through like the first 10 or 11 game weeks where we can establish a trend. Right. So through the first, so I went game week by game week, uh, you know, so each game week you have, you know, you have 10 fixtures, you have 20 possible clean sheets. So uh, last season through the first four fixtures, you had uh, 26 total clean sheets out of 80, um, uh, which is a 32.5% clean sheet rate. Um, and that was, uh, there were five clean sheets in game week one, and then there were seven in game weeks two, three, and four. Uh, and again, these are, um, a game could have two clean sheets because, you know, right, you so can, it's, one, it's one multiple nil-nil no draws per, yeah, per one team. One clean right. sheet per team. Right. Exactly. So zero zero draw. That's two clean sheets. Yep. So twenty six out of eighty, and that was a thirty two point five percent clean sheet rate. Uh, so through the four through the first four fixtures this year, um, we've only seen seventeen clean sheets, so nine less clean sheets. Um, and that actually that number just went up today because of uh, the one in this um, the Everton clean sheet. So that's a twenty one point two five percent clean sheet rate this year. So we're actually we're down eleven percent uh, year over year on clean sheets now. You could argue that 80 is not a, you know, a, geez, a statistically significant sample. Um, but I think that, you know, let's update this every week. Let's let's go through maybe like the first 10 game weeks or so and just kind of keep, keep the clean sheet watch going. And I, I, I have sort of a theory, which is just that, you know, there's so much money in the Premier League right now that they're they're just buying incredibly talented defenders, incredibly talented attackers and midfielders. Right. Uh, and I'm not sure the defense is really caught up yet. I mean, you look at someone like, you know, Perea, who is, you know, incredibly, incredibly talented ex Juve players now playing for Watford, you know, yeah. and five years ago, those guys were not playing for Watford. And so I just wonder if even a couple, even like last year, they weren't playing, right? Maybe they have this huge infusion of cash this year. Uh, so I think that might help explain it. And actually, you know, if, if we if this stays this way, it probably does argue for for reinvesting or or, or investing in, um, you know, I mean, the, so the thing about if clean sheets are down, um, fullbacks are more valuable than center backs, right? When there are more clean sheets, center backs tend to pick up bonus points. Uh, if clean sheets are down, then you want fullbacks who can who can get you more attacking points, right? Assists and uh, yes. the occasional yeah. goal, right? I agree. I think you can argue it the other way as well. If there are going to be fewer clean sheets, if you can land those two or three teams that are going to consistently get the clean sheets, then that's extremely valuable. And I still think, I mean, it was the Manchester Derby this weekend, which we're going to just touch on really briefly coming up. But United let in two goals, but still I think they have the manager that is the most defensively defensive-minded, and they have a great defense. Why would you not spend 5.5 or now upwards of 5.6, 5.7 on a guy like Valencia or Shaw? I think it's still worth considering spending the money on guys like those. Kyle Walker saved my game week with 11 points. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and Walker in general, I mean, he's looked really attacking this year, right? Didn't you get you got an assist and two bonus points in game week one, too, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the heartbreak kick, man. He's, he's still got it. <laughs> uh, Dave Aston on Facebook says, simple question. Will defenders come good or remain shit? This is the big question. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's the big and unanswerable question. It does seem like the only team you can actually bank on this year is Manchester uh, United. And, uh, I mean, everywhere else, it's it's so hit or miss. I mean, Hull have racked up some clean sheets, and uh, I guess you got one from Bournemouth this week. I mean, there's really no... There hasn't been any consistency so far this season, so um, I guess it's kind of a wait and see. But yeah, let's keep updating this, and uh, you know, we'll just see how we'll just see if it's trending in a certain way. Um, I mean, they're actually down this week, right? You had seven in game week four in 2015, and you only had three in game week four in 2016. So it's kind of interesting. All right, Josh, let's go straight to the premier fixture this game week. It was the Manchester Derby. Uh, it raises some interesting FPL questions, I suppose, because. Kevin De Bruyne, who has been a little quiet, though he's looked good, he's been he's not produced a lot of FPL points this season, was the star of the show. Did anybody in the Man City lineup look good long term for you? Well, Iniesta is the one who looks good, but I, I feel like I don't understand. I don't know his game well enough to know whether you can play him on the wing. You know, can he play in that Raheem Sterling role? Um, I just don't know. Meaning, uh, meaning you're wondering if any Inacho gets starts when Aguero comes back? Well, I mean, I thought he looked, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I thought he looked good, but, you know, I mean, the odds would seem to indicate that, you know, Aguero's only going to miss, what, two more games, and one of them is a is a League Cup match, right? So he's only going to miss one more Premier League fixture. Uh, is Inacho just going to spend the rest of the season as, like, the 65-minute guy, which he probably will be, right, given his age? Yeah. I mean, it's not like... Um, you know, it's not like he's this veteran who has to play or they're going to have to move him on to some other club or something, you know, like any knows that he's one for the future. So I, I think even he would be fine, you know, playing uh, the occasional spot start and, and coming out in the 70th minute or whatever. I think Gary Neville touched on this on his podcast where uh, Pep Guardiola gave a pre-match press conference and he said that he was going to start any Nacho and uh, the press pushed him on this. Like he's, he's young and, largely unproven in big matches like this are you really going to start him and pep said of course he's our backup striker and we need a backup striker therefore this is his role and so then that gives me pause in terms of if he's categorized as the backup striker then that could equally mean he's never going to get time anywhere else on the field except as backup striker exactly yeah so i, I think that probably I, is true did, did, did you look at sterling at all when you played your wild card was he a, was he an option for you I did. The problem I had playing my wild card with Sterling was I didn't like the Derby fixture for him. I didn't like the Derby fixture for him. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if you're going to let that go. <laughs> <laughs> he he was too prohibited. He was too prohibitive uh, in that sense. Like if if uh, City had a great fixture in game week four, I think it would have been my priority to get Sterling in. They did not. Therefore he didn't make the cut. And I think that's largely Barkley is to blame here. You know, I can't believe we've gone this far into the podcast by the way, without talking about your third striker. (laughs) Sam Vokes himself. I can't believe you. I I respect you for putting your money where your mouth is. I I personally would have a hard time picking the second best striker on a bad team. As I, as I snarkily Uh, put it yesterday. First off, I would argue that he's the second best striker on that team. I mean, personal politics aside, 
I have not been impressed with uh, Andre Gray this season. Now, granted, Sam Vokes hasn't exactly set the league on fire. He's got <laughs> one goal. But if, if Gray gets suspended, which presumably he will at some point, Vokes, Vokes will continue to lead the line. And also, I guess yeah. me bringing Vokes in is, is a middle finger to the third striker position. Like... <laughs> Third striker this season is a, is just a joke. Like particularly if we're all, I'm still like at the altar of Ibra and Aguero, and there's there's no way for me to suitably fit in. Uh, I, I'm sure there is, and I'm just too dumb to know how. But I just thought, whatever, Sam Vokes, why not? Okay, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I I, I was just, I was just surprised when I saw it. That's all. Uh, anyway, let's, let's 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 I don't want to go down the Vokes rabbit hole again. Almost every episode, it seems like we talk about Vokes for like 15 minutes somehow. Uh, the Man City defense, um, it, it, you know, it's funny. I ended up getting two points off the bench from Stones uh, because uh, Suarez didn't play. Now, I don't know if you saw, he had a car accident over the weekend. I know, and terrible, so, yeah, really terrible. Yeah, so I hope he's hope he is okay. I know, I know. So yeah, it's actually it's a little worrisome for me because without without him, well. Obviously, it's terrible what happened to him, but just for, for the sake of my team, uh, I uh, there's a chance that Luke Shaw might not play this weekend too because his hamstring issue. So uh, right. I actually might be forced to play a wild card earlier than I wanted to, just because um, I may not be able to field a defense that can keep like a single clean sheet. Otherwise, meaning you wouldn't uh, be willing to burn four or just focus your free transfer on your defense. I guess I just hate burning four on a defender. It, yeah. It almost never works, right? I mean, it's, all it takes is one fluky counterattack, and all of a sudden you've lost two points, right? You know, like if you were if you were going to get two or one with your fifth defender, and now you're going to get two from this other defender, suddenly you've lost yeah. two points, you know, or one point or whatever. Well, we were, uh, so we were, we so were we'll chatting – we were chatting yesterday about your Aguero strategy and that, that that you haven't played your wild card yet. It sounded like you had it down to the scent, uh, how you could easily get – you have like 4.2 I think I have 4.6. So the plan this week had been to to move the very disappointing Gaston Ramirez into one of three different players, all of whom I'm debating right now, uh, that, that being Lalana, Lamella – or Antonio, and I'm trying to decide between the three of those uh, who I like the best, and it's it's actually incredibly tricky. Yeah. Uh, all all three of them have really good fixtures coming up. Uh, all three of them have arguments in their favor. I think Lamella, I might might be at the bottom of the list, um, if only because the Champions League kind of screws things up a little bit. There could be some rotation there. Also, because Sun played so well, I wonder if maybe. If there's a chance that maybe that earns him one more start, you know, just a chance mm-hmm. to kind of build on his momentum or something like that, like kind of as like a we'll do this for you because it's good for your long term development at the club to to stay informed or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. managers actually really think that way or not, but um, <laughs> that was that would seem like good man management to me. So possibly if I were a manager like in my job and someone was doing really well, I'd be like, you stay on that project. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And don't uh, <laughs> and don't talk to me for the next week. Just keep your, your practice, your corner kicks over yeah. there. I mean, did they do this to yeah. Sun last season, too? Like they'd bring him in for a game and then you wouldn't see him for another month yeah exactly exactly i think i think i think lamel is probably safe but but you know the thing about lolana and um and antonio is that neither of them have any international fixtures to worry about or not international but um champions league or or europe league fixtures uh so you know those two are, are much more appealing right there and 
so I'm just going back and forth. I mean, Antonio, you know, four goals in three matches, and um, but Lallana looks fantastic too. You know, scored at the internationals, and um, and that Liverpool team is just there. There are goals all over the place. So uh, I guess I would if I if I had to pick one right now, like gun to my head, I would pick Antonio. Uh, but Lallana is like right behind him. I'd say Antonio is just a total monster. I mean, those two yeah. two headed goals. He scored four goals in the league now, all on headers. Um, yeah. That, and, Rab- oh, that, Rab- that Rabona, that Rab- oh, Rabona <laughs> assist is the sickest thing I've seen in a long time. Just, I could, yeah, it was so. It, co- it was not. It was. It was. It was less the Rabona itself and more how the Rabona was 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 paired with the the stepovers and whatnot. It was just so all part of this beautiful art piece. It was like a Rabona. It went over like eight players. And landed like at the waiting forehead of Antonio, who, who at that point, I mean, like you and I could score a goal on that header, right? Like with a, with a, with a pass that good. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, it was. It was actually we talked about it a little bit at the U.S. Open yesterday, but it was you know it was a classic men and Blazers uh, two nothing is the most dangerous scoreline situation. Yeah. I mean, I just think that they you know they went up two nothing so easily on on Watford, and I I just wonder if. Well, if they, they turn, if they yeah, you know, they turned it off a little bit after that. I was listening to the Guardians Football Weekly on my way home today, and they were talking about uh, that that turn in the game. And apparently, Troy Deeney said uh, after the match, he when the Pyatt did the Rabona, and the rest of the team they were kind of doing jukes and all that. He just threw his hands up and was like, "No, this is not happening. <laughs> we're not going out like this." And they just turned it on. That's in awesome. Crazy way after that. And Deeney scored. Not, a gr- yeah, yeah, yeah. How can you not love Troy Deeney? What a boss! What a great goal he scored too. Yeah, yeah. That was almost as great as the Rabona, <laughs> if not greater. I don't know. Why yeah. judge? Why? Why does one have to be better than the other? All right, we're, we're getting we're getting away from the derby here, Josh. <laughs> we have a question from Spurs EPL Chance 2018. He says, "Did you watch the Manchester derby?" Uh, duh. Thoughts on Silva's involvement. So uh, David Silva is like the the ugly FPL stepchild of Man City right now, even though he's probably their most talented creative midfielder. Totally. Um, he's involved. He's involved in everything, but uh, has like nothing. to. Does he have like a single even assist to show for it this season? I, I don't think so. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I do fear that he his value as a fantasy asset is, is kind of out the window at this point. Mostly, probably due to all the all the other options. Yeah, I wanted to look at his his age here. I think that he is. Let's see, so Silva, yeah, so Silva's on the wrong side of thirty. He's going to be thirty one in a couple of months, and I, I, you know, Pep Pep is sort of famous for for using a lot of rotation in his squad, and I think at his age and with the ankle problems that have dogged him the last four or five years, uh, I, I I just think he's a very um, He's very unattractive to me as a fantasy asset, uh, as, as talented a player as he is, because he also doesn't score a lot. You know, I mean, it, he's yeah. not cheap. I mean, I, I think that he's, you know, I mean, I'd rather have Raheem Sterling or um, if I had the money, I guess, uh, De Bruyne uh, yeah. or, or Nolito for that matter. So, I mean, sure. I, I, he's like the fourth best uh, midfield option on that team. Yeah. Uh, speaking of dead fantasy assets, uh, this game officially killed Anthony Martial as a possible <laughs> midfielder in your yeah. in your squad. Which is yeah. it's a real shame. I had high hopes for him going into this season. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the only other thing to recommend in this United team after the derby is Zlatan continues to score amazing goals. So, yeah, uh, Lucian in our league was was racking about what a 
He's like, oh, every every goal he scores is a cheapy, or you know, every. It's like, no, that that's what makes him good. You know, <laughs> he's just he. You give him this like the thinnest glimmer of a chance, and he scores. Yeah, he's no. so he's so lethal. I mean, it was such a, it was an awesome goal too. It was kind of like a. It wasn't quite a. What would you what would you call that? It was like a kind of had his foot a, up on its side, right? I'd call it a kung fu kick. It's kind it was, of a kung uh, fu. Uh, kick. It's like a uh, the highest side volley that you could possibly do. I could try to get a ball. Like I can't imagine actually kicking a ball with my own foot and having it do what what it does <laughs> for him. It would always go up in the air for me. For him, it was like a flat line to the goal. It was it yeah. was amazing. Okay, let's let's take a break, Brandon. Let's let's catch our breath, and let's talk about the man that we've been avoiding, Etienne Capoue. Same old podcast, always shading. All right, Brandon. We've come to a section that you've called. Mid to low price mids, inherit bias in you. How to cope with your new life? Yes, it's it's true. I I think that that title aptly describes how we're all now dealing with the world, which is now ruled by the triumvirate of Etienne Capoue, Leroy Fur, and Robert Snodgrass. <laughs> I mean, so the the overarching question is: um, Are the any of these guys the new Riyad Mahrez? Now, probably. The easy answer is no. So then the underlying question is, how seriously do we really have to take them? And I feel like we've been asking this question week in, week out. But now after Fur, Kapua, and Snodgrass all, well, let's see, Fur and Kapua, three goals and four, Snodgrass two and four, where he only played one half of, of one of his game weeks. These guys are all on fire. So, Brandon, before we get into Kapue in particular, um, let's 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 run out a few questions that were asked. I mean, we're we're just going to pick a handful of them because I think we got something like like we got like probably about ten total questions about Kapue yeah. or questions that mention him in some way or another. So, uh, Scott um, Ostiak says, uh, "Q fifteen minutes on always Captain Kapue on the upcoming pod." Scott, uh, Nace, start start the clock now, Scott. <laughs> Uh, the naysayer says, uh, you didn't believe in Kapue and I trusted you. That's all caps. I feel so betrayed. It's giving me enemy. It's giving me energy. Now <laughs> I responded. This, this, that this, is, this, that is terrifying. That, it gave him energy. That one came, that one came through, uh, when I was, I was actually at the gym, uh, <laughs> watching the Liverpool game on my phone. I think when that one came through, I felt a little bad about that one. Uh, but for the record, all we're saying about Kapue again, I, I don't want to like, I mean, the whole point of this, this 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 section is that you you do have to you have to at least analyze your biases and wonder if 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 you're if you're refusing to see like a, a change, right? As there's like, you know, when Kapue scores, you know, what he has three goals and assists so far in four game weeks. Uh, at some point, you have to say, well, okay, even if I don't think he's the next Riyad Mahrez, is he playing you know far enough forward right now that that <laughs> You know, like, I mean, is, is he a viable option? I, I guess so, right? I mean, if he's going to be in the penalty box or if he's going to be, you know, if he's not going to be playing as a as super deep-lying defensive midfielder anymore, which yeah. is how he's played his entire career, right? He's like yeah. 20 years old. For 10 he, years, he's played a certain way. In four game weeks, he has tripled the number of gore, goals he's scored in the last three seasons. Right. So it's like that like rate if, is, is, is crazy. I feel like if John Obi McKell all of a sudden started – I don't even know what role, like like the Cesc Fabregas role or something, right? Where he's sort of in the middle of, he's kind of, you know, he sets people up and he scores occasionally. It's, it's, it's bizarre. And 
I mean, I, I'm not like, I mean, they, you know, they have a new manager and I'm sure that maybe he just looked around and said, this is where the talent is. Kapoe has got to be involved. I, I still think like Roberto Perea is going to be the better option on Watford long-term, mm-hmm. but they have great fixtures coming up. I mean, you look at Watford from, you know, game week. I don't even know. Like let's, let's, let's run through them here real quick. Uh, so they have, okay. They, they're, they're home to man United in game week five, which is not a great fixture, but then they're, uh, they have a great run after that, a great five game run. They're away to Burnley, home to Bournemouth, away to mid uh, Middlesbrough, away to Swansea and home to Hull. I, you know, if I had Kapoe, I think I'd be starting him all, all, all well, five of those, right? Or maybe yeah. I mean, and even yeah. on, on on Twitter, Richard Orford asks, um, "Do we finally play him or bench him versus Man United?" So people, oh, and Aiden Green also says, "Surely starting Kapoe against United next week is absolute madness." So people are already thinking, "Well, maybe captaining captain him against yeah. United." I don't think I would captain him, <laughs> even even at home to. Arguably the best defense in the Premier League, at least at least at least at the moment. Uh, but I, I wouldn't blame you if you did. I'm trying to I, I'm trying to be more open here, Brandon. I, I you know I don't want to just come on this podcast and say what I what I really feel in my heart, which is that this is a a fluky and unsustainable run. Uh, I don't want to be so unmagical. I want to I want to give Kapoor <laughs> his moment. However, if you watch that match, if you saw the highlights, I mean, okay. Granted, he was in a position to score. That that does count for something. Sure. Uh, but it was a it was a missed overhead kick that or I guess I should say that a player attempted an overhead kick and he completely missed on it. Uh, but the but the ball was intended for him and it basically fell to the feet of Kapue, who at that point all he had to do was like simply kick it in from there. And uh, it was a pretty it was a fairly easy goal. It wasn't like Kapue, you know, charged through everybody like Eden Hazard on some rampaging run, <laughs> you know, juked three players and scored. You know, it was just kind of right place, right time. I mean he um, didn't exactly just yeah. tap it in. He did he did really lace it. And this is, I, I think, the second no, similar just, goal. He's just a tap, tap, tappy. Very simple. <laughs> he, he, Very he simple. To, he toe, toe poked it. All right, so. <laughs> he was like Chubbs out there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the comparison that we're making now is Leroy for uh, Swansea midfielder priced at $5.2 million. Now, he only has, uh, he's only selected by 9.7% of teams. And we actually we actually used our fantasy football scout memberships to pull some <laughs> some comparative data and it felt like it was it was fairly close between Kapua and Fur in terms of uh touch total touches and involvement and and that sort of thing. I think Fur kind of edges Kapua a little bit. Fur Fur edges Kapua a, a little bit. I think that um you know they're they're the same on goals, but if you look at uh, at goal attempts, um, you have more goal attempts from Fur. Uh, goal attempts in the box, you have more from him. Uh, headed goal attempts, you have uh, you have more. Um, he's a little more. You know, minutes per attempt is uh, almost twenty percent better, or 20, 20 minutes better. Um, Kabuye's shot accuracy is phenomenal. It's a sixty-six point seven percent shot accuracy, which is absolutely an unsustainable shot accuracy that is not going to last long term. So, I, I do think long term that. The Kapue train is going to. I'm not on the train. You're on the train. I mean, how do you? I, you you're more equipped to answer this than I am, Brandon. I mean, do you think that Kapue is? Um, are you know with this with this run of fixtures coming up? Let's, let's yeah. say you, you bench him in game week five, which is probably what you do. I mean, you could argue though that if you if he's playable, then you can take that money that you would have spent on a, on a different fourth defender, and yeah. suddenly you can have Harry Kane. 
Sergio Aguero and Ibra. You could have like a 35 million forward line. This makes my head spin so much. I'm willing to admit I am only on the Kupue train to make money. Uh, that was a, it, it was a stock market buy and ha- having him on my bench and he scores his third goal. I didn't even feel bad that he was on my bench because I just knew his value was going to go up, up, Obviously, He's the, he's the top scoring FPL asset in the entire game right now. So I would encourage anyone to buy him just to take advantage of these, uh, coming price rises, particularly anybody triggering their wild card. Like, just don't even yeah. think twice. Get him on your bench at the very least. I think that was part of my conversation with the naysayer uh, where I, I, I did respond. And I said, well, would you would you have, uh, you know, he was the one who said, I trusted you. Uh, and I said, well, would you have played him anyway? And he said, no, of course not. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. would? That's the thing. I, I think now go ahead and start him. It's, it's, it's not crazy. And, and Watford has shown that they can score goals. But now you can feel comfortable that Kapui on your bench is not a wasted bench slot the way he has been in seasons past. That's a great asset to have on your bench if you choose to not play him. So whether you do or you do not, I think he's still just a great asset to have in your squad. I suppose. I mean, I I guess the the question is, you know, if he... If he gets injured or something like that, I mean, that you could lose a lot of money on him, right? I mean, but I guess even then it's fine because— Well, I mean, you're going to have to sell him at some point to make the money. So if he get injured, gets injured, then there's your opportunity. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, this is just a, phil- uh, it's just a philosophical thing. I, right? it, it's not I, I a don't... very fun argument to have. Yeah, I, I'm not as good as you are. You, you, I think you're a little better at thinking long term about sort of buying players for value that you can sell on later. I think I'm a little too like immediate results oriented in some of my. So I mean, I understand yeah, what you're saying. Like with a wild card, it makes sense to to throw them. You, you asked me at the start of the season why in the hell I had Emerson Hindeman on my bench, uh, Bournemouth 4.5, injured, never going to play. And I said, well, I know his value is never going to go down because I'm the only person of 3.5 million managers that has him. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. I felt the same about having Ben Watson as my fifth defender. I figured right. I'd be wild carding early and just throw him on there. And I actually, I was surprised that I guess Watson they just bought too many new players and Watson's on the outs. I mean, but I'm not going to lose any money on him because no one owned him to begin with. So, right. you know, I'll my, just get rid of him with my wild card. I, I'm willing to come a little bit more around on Leroy Fur. I mean, he he's definitely um, playing an attacking role for that Swansea squad. But watching that Chelsea game, I feel like Leroy Fur kicked more ankles than he did balls during the entire match. The guy is a bit of a klutz. Uh, and yeah. I'm not even talking about the uh, the uh, Gary Cahill goal that he scored where he totally like swept the leg Cobra Kai style <laughs> to, to get the ball off of him. Um, yeah. It's just strange that he was so ineffective last year for Norwich. I mean... You know, like you said in the notes here, I mean, it was limited minutes, but it was limited minutes partially because he wasn't doing anything, you know? Well, so this is also the spot. same manager that gave limited minutes to the Mercy Mobicani. Touche. But don't you think, Brandon, for an extra 0.4 million, you'd rather have Robert Snodgrass? 
I mean, I know, I know our, our friend Guy Yedwab uh, at Magic Moment Pod uh, is trying to make hashtag the snottest god happening, uh, which he might actually succeed if not. He does. He, he gets he gets some traction when he tweets it out. So I, I am <laughs> highly in favor of hashtag the snottest god. Uh, he said, you know, so two goals in four matches, uh, but only played forty seven minutes of game week three. Uh, I remember him being a very good player for Norwich uh, back in the days, and that was not a Norwich team that th- th- that was back in the like Grant Holt, Steve Morrison days. You know, like they, they, they never had it. There was there was no good strikers in that squad, so it wasn't like he it wasn't like he benefited from just teeing it off to these amazing forwards. You know, so yeah, very solid just player, a super technically proficient, attack focused mm-hmm. midfielder. He had that beautiful ball, incisive ball in that Mylar. Um, put off the post uh, earlier in that game against yeah. Hull. So he's got the sh- he's got the shot, Josh. He's also got the pass. Hashtag and the, not as God. It's you know it's actually interesting. I think one thing you could do um, is you could actually so the fixtures for Hull are still pretty bad. The next uh, I don't know, like at least the next three game weeks, right? They play Arsenal, Liverpool, and Chelsea, uh, but then they get very very good for quite a long time. Uh, they play Bournemouth, Stoke, Watford, Southampton, Sunderland, West Brom, Middlesbrough, uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, the majority of those are at home, and you could actually you could bring in Snodgrass in your wild card. Uh, you know, if you're wildcarding this week or next week, you can bring in Snodgrass, you put him on your bench, you play Etienne Capoue for a couple of weeks, yeah. and then when when Capoue's fixtures get worse and Snodgrass get better, you make him your fourth uh, your fourth midfielder. You know, during that run of really good fixtures, so um, yeah, it's an interesting idea. I do think that's a great idea. That's a very cheap, efficient. That's good shopping, Josh. Good, yeah, good, good rotation there. Yeah, it's a, uh, FM Slickback on Twitter says, is Kupuwe the new Mares? And I think that uh, we have to say Snodgrass has the most potential of these three guys to yeah, be a, the most consistent. I think he's the only guy who a lot of managers might still have in Game Week 38. You know, I, I think, I mean, Kapuwe might just sit on your bench the entire year, but I don't think... 20 I, I i still don't think i mean I, I might be wrong that i think 20 weeks from now i don't think we're all going to be starting kapua as our fourth midfielder i just i can't see it all right these these guys uh are all pretty good let's talk about the the cheap midfielder options that have turned out to not be so good that are in that like five to six million range so jordan ive i dumped him with my wild card i don't really see that happening for him now granted wilshire hasn't fully emerged in that midfield yet and so i'm told i've looked a little better this game week but i, I think that guy is definitely definitely drop him for yeah. for snodgrass kapue yeah someone on twitter oh sorry i was gonna say someone someone on twitter and I, I can't remember their name right now unfortunately uh was talking about how callum wilson might look better now that jack wilshire's on the team and uh i know that wilshire didn't have the assist on that callum wilson goal but callum wilson scored a fantastic goal uh, in this game week, and it would be really, it'd be very fun if Kellen Wilson really took off because uh, he's cheap, and I think we all kind of feel bad for him <laughs> after yeah. what happened last season. Uh, and I would just like Bournemouth to to be a good team. I think, or at least a mediocre team. I think that would be fun. Um, yeah, so I, I yeah. think they're nicely set up for mediocrity, and I'm fine with that. I doesn't make, it doesn't make I an option though. I, I agree. So Gaston Ramirez, I jump ship. You must be gasping to jump ship on Gaston Ramirez. Yeah, definitely. So Nathan, Nathan Dyer. <laughs> so, so Eric Dyer on Spurs. This guy is still at ten point three percent ownership in the game. His price has already dropped to five point four. 
He is one of these low price. Yeah, one of these low price midfielders. It's it's never going to happen for him. And uh, Andros Townsend, where do you stand on Townsend? People are a bit bullish on Crystal Palace assets right now. I I have never been. I we we we've been adamantly pro Townsend since the very first preseason podcast, and I, I remain adamantly. Oh wait, did I say pro? I mean, anti. <laughs> we have been <laughs> anti Townsend. I am not a fan. Uh, I don't like the way that he plays. Um, I found him to be kind of a selfish player. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I'm just not, a, I'm just not a huge fan. And um, I think that with Punchin and uh, yeah, that's right. You brought in Punchin. You got a little unlucky actually with Punchin. I mean, Zaha kind of took Punchin's points this week. Yeah, those the the points that Zaha got were the ones that Punchin was supposed to be getting for me. But that that's just another nail in Townsend's coffin. When you've got Punchin, who's got the delivery and the occasional outside shot, right. these are all things that Townsend is meant to be doing that now Punchin and Zaha are doing with the plum. Yeah, full million cheaper too. So yeah, yeah, Townsend is not not a player I'd have right now. So if Anthony Marshall uh, died this game week, uh, Lingard at Man United, like I would be shocked if you see that guy uh, outside yeah. of a Europa League match again this season. Yeah. What, yeah, what a diabolical game for him! Five point eight. He was he was pretty decent value last season, but it doesn't look like he's prepared to do anything outside of the the Community Shield. Yeah, they need an injury or something. They need they need a couple of people to go down for for him to really be a be a solid option there okay so we talked about the three premier uh budget midfielders who's still in contention outside of those guys so we've got uh we got my, my boy yannick Belasi, who i mentioned earlier looked fantastic uh available at six million um good good run of fixtures continues for them and it looks like he is actually a, a confirmed starter i i was when you know when i bought him two weeks ago i was a little bit worried even even before the the team sheet came out this week i was like uh kind of crossing my fingers <laughs> I, I he probably benefits by the fact that they didn't really get any of their targets i know there were a lot of people there after at the end like people like um uh sissoko who went to um uh, Spurs. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, you know, Redmond is another one. He has a very good home fixture this game week. If, if he didn't have such a good home fixture, I might be looking to, to cut bait with him. Um, he's he's 6.1 million. Uh, kind of disappointing considering he looked so good in game week one. But he, he was involved. He actually, you know, he almost had an assist on the uh, on the. Um, the check own goal, yeah, uh, which was yeah, that was a tough. I checks checks ownership is quite high. It was higher than I was expecting, isn't it? Close to like twenty percent or something like that. Uh, so that was uh, yeah, a bit unlucky there. If if Tadic had just been about three inches uh, yeah lower on that free kick, he gets an assist there. So I do think that Southampton team is still going through some serious growing pains right now. A lot of new members of the squad, and Redmond could yeah. be a lot more consistent later in the season. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, we already talked about Zaha. He's five point four, which like I'm almost licking my lips looking at that price tag when I've got punching at the point one more. Dave yes, Baker on Facebook, he says Zaha at five point four at home to Stoke next game week. <laughs> I need another wild card. <laughs> Uh, we talked about Pereira. He's six million uh, on Watford. A really good option, I think, and uh, a lot of good fixtures coming up. Uh, I'm looking. If I play my wild card, I think there's a, a very, very good chance. If I don't, if I don't end up bringing in um, Kapue, which I might end up doing actually, uh, I put Pereira as the player that I'd be looking at to target on Watford. Uh, and maybe even those forwards now. I mean, if they, you know, if they start to click, um, I would definitely yeah. look at. Uh, Gallo or Dini. Yeah, it's always hard to tell which one to pick. I don't know. You know They're just a little too expensive. Like, they yeah. both started at 7.0, I think. And I know Dini's dropped a little bit. Uh, I think they both have. 
Yeah. It's just still a little too too. Ex- I mean, when you when you've got when you're blessed with Sam Vokes at 6.0, like I am, how could how could you possibly find a way to work Dini into your team? Uh, all right, Brandon, let's take a quick break, and then we have a few questions to go, and then we're gonna we're gonna sail on out of here. Okay. Same old podcast, always cheating. All right, Josh, we're back, and uh, we've got a few final questions to answer before we sign off this episode. And the first one comes to us on Facebook from Mahesh Jaganeshan, and uh, he says, "So many mids, so little space." With Liverpool, Watford, Arsenal, West Ham, and a few other clubs about to go on a run of great fixtures, I think you have to throw Everton in there. Uh, is it time for a three-five-two, Aguerovich leading the line? And man, I really do like this suggestion from Mahesh, particularly as a uh, Sam Vokes owner. Um, <laughs> maybe it is time for me to start looking at the three-five-two. Yeah, as a Romelu Lukaku owner, I'm feeling pretty good about my my expensive forward line right now. Um, I actually have the money to move. I have Vardy right now, and so I have the money to move Vardy to Aguero. Uh, yeah. you know, in two weeks, and so I think that that's you know what's going to happen. I'm going to play my wild card this week or next week, and all my like brilliant planning <laughs> is just going to be totally worthless. Uh, yeah, but I think uh, uh, I well, think do, it's an do option. Do you worry yeah. about your your midfield lineup then? At that point? Well, not necessarily. No, I, I think there's a lot of value to be found in the... I mean, we just talked about all these players in the five to seven... I mean, we, we, you know, we, we talked about players in the six million below range a minute ago, but I think, if, you know, when you talk about that seven million range, there's a lot of great options, too. And, yeah, it's a little scary. I mean, I think that, you know, Hazard may not be long for my team. I might make a Hazard to Ozil move. Uh, that would free up 0.5 million that I could then... I'm feel I feel a little anxious not having a Man City midfielder for one thing, right. uh, but with all the Champions League fixtures coming up, I think that that's okay. I mean, you saw Sterling get subbed off in the 59th minute. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of that over the next, you know, eight weeks or so. You know, as as these the first round of Champions League fixtures play out. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think well, I don't know. So yeah, it's an I option think, though for sure. I yeah, I agree. It's an it's an option, and it. it like you're saying, it just depends on what sort of forward lineup you have. If you've built your team around a power three, then that's great. But I think a lot of us uh, are suffering with a really budget striker, and maybe a three-five-two is it's an off-forgotten formation. It is off-forgotten. It doesn't seem to work for me. I I just have such a tendency to want to play my strikers. I, it may be like a flaw in the way that I play the game. You know, like I have a hard time. I don't know. You I have I'm no so, flaws, just, Josh. I'm so, uh, you're right, actually. You're right. You're right. Uh, Byron James says, is this shaping up as the anti-template year? Uh, with so many high-value options, what's the best way of keeping up with players' form? It could be. I mean, it's too early to tell, I think, in week four. I, I think that there may there may ultimately be a bit of a template come come the mid midway point of the season. But it's this season's already way better than last season, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. It feels like there's just a lot of... There's a lot of scoring. A lot of different players are, are are popping. There's a mix of there's you know differential players that have popped up, and there mm-hmm. are, there are players that a lot of kind of newbies or whatever you want to call them, um, just like players like players like that people have kind of jumped on who have continued to perform, which which kind of makes it fun, right? Uh, for everybody, you know. I mean, I, I don't want it to be. I don't know. This game would. I mean, like we're at I think there's 3.8 million managers in the league right now, and it's. It's. It, I, I think it's fun, at least for a while, for everyone to feel like they've got a shot, you know. And I mean, because we all, <laughs> anyone who's listening to this podcast knows that come game week thirty six, 
like you know, this 3.8 million managers are, are there. It's down to about 500 of us who are still like really seriously trying to trying to get one over on, yeah. on our, you know, on the the three other people who are competing at the top of the league. So I like it when everything's really scattered like this. So I hope it stays this way. It's an interesting question though. Byron asks, "What's the best way to keep up with players' form?" and I recommend like watch as many of these games as possible. I know it's easier said than done, depending on where you live. Um, but here in the states, NBC broadcasts uh, all ten fixtures every game week, and watching as many of those as you can. It's the best way to pick up on like the 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 way we've been watching Belasi emerge the last two game weeks. I feel like that's something that you can only you're only going to nab on to and 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 really be determined to slot him into your team if you've you watched him play yeah yeah i think that's that's a good point i think the other uh other point is more of a philosophical one which is that if, if everyone if there are a ton of attacking options then you just have to acknowledge that you can't have all of the form players and and then that's still okay because you can still have tons of players who are still scoring on your team you know and i i have a hard time with this sometimes and as i i i I find myself almost rooting against other players more than I end up rooting for my own players. You know, I'm right. rooting for people to miss shots or, right. or to get subbed off at halftime or something like that because it'll hurt other teams. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it's kind of a mean spirited way to play. I I, I try to suppress that. Sure. Uh, the Isle of Dabumbu, Gary Meld says, surely West Ham can't be the new Aston Villa, but ten goals conceded in four games. If West Brom nabbed two goals, is it, st- is it time to start chasing West Ham opponents? First of all, Gear, uh, West Brom will never score more than one goal in a game. It's hard uh, to believe that would happen. <laughs> Second of all, the, I believe the West Ham team, like, Pyatt was just back this game week. Zaza get, got his first start. This West Ham team like it feels like it's still settling, sort of like what I was saying about Southampton. That, yeah. uh, they've had a, a grueling few weeks. They had two legs uh, to try and stay in the Europa League. I just think there's a lot going on there behind. They're in a new stadium. Um, there, there's no way that they're going to uh, be garbage like Aston Villa. I think that Stoke is the team that might be this year's Aston Villa. I mean, that is that is a disaster right now. You know, Butland uh, had to go under the knife, and so it looks like it's Shea Giffen for the next 20 <laughs> weeks or whatever. I mean, that is not a good situation. And, you know, they have all of these international players who, you know, just – I don't even like kind of washed up at, at, at Stoke. And I mean, there's, there's a run of interesting fixtures coming up for Stoke. I mean, you gotta be licking your lips at that crystal palace match in game week five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, it's, I, w- I will be expecting Wilford Boney to score a few goals in in the next few weeks. So I, I do have question marks about treating Stoke like a guaranteed clean sheet. I know Boney didn't really do anything against Spurs this game week. But uh, I feel like the attacking threat still exists with Stoke. The defensive potency is is clearly not there at all. Yeah. Also, I, I don't I don't I don't like that both of us use the expression "licking our lips" about Crystal Palace players. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> let's let's banish that from the podcast. Uh, Lojun An says, "Keep or drop Hazard and Sanchez after their poor performances this game week." Uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, I, I think Sanchez, you know, he, was, he came back from from South America. It was just, uh, you know, that was kind of telegraphed in advance. I mean, I think I think didn't Wenger even hint that he was probably going to come off the bench, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the day before. And Hazard, you know, I, I actually, I mean, I guess I just talked a minute ago about how I might drop him. You might have to just because uh, if you have an expensive forward line, it's pretty hard to keep a ten million player. 
um, in your midfield. And I mean, if I could drop him down for Raheem Sterling, let's say, and mm-hmm. that 1.8 million turns Nathan Redman into Sandy Gazorla, you know, then suddenly I think I'd rather have Sterling and Gazorla over Hazard. I don't know. I mean, I, I actually don't know that I feel that way, but no, it's one game week. Yeah, it's Hazard. Hazard be over the last three first three game weeks became the must-have midfielder, and right. one 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 pointer. It's that'll happen. It's going to happen yeah. to every high-value uh, prospect, and you can't let it get to you. Uh, Kuda Godfrey says, uh, which three striker combo from Lukaku, Kane, Vardy, Giroux, Costa, and Sturridge? Get out. Uh, great question, by the way. Uh, I actually, this question is so good. I'm going to say it slower, Brandon. Are right, you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. And this is, actually yeah. the, this, is the, this is the final question for the game week. All right. Oh, good. Kuda okay. Godfrey says, which three striker combo from Lukaku, Kane, Vardy, Giroux, Costa, and Sturridge can outscore the template of Aguero? Of Aguero, Ibrahimovic, and a budget third striker. Uh, Lukaku, Kane, and Vardy. I think the first three options there. Put the three of those guys together, and I think they can at least match Ibra and Aguero. Probably yeah, I think, better. I think I might swap Costa in for Vardy. Uh, but I think, yeah, Lukaku, Kane, Costa, I think, could probably do it. Yeah. I actually, well, that that's a best case scenario. I actually think that no one could do it. I think that uh, Ibra Aguero and a budget third striker, I mean, you don't want like a Sam Vokes type, but like someone who's, you know, <laughs> Says, yeah. you know it's actually good. funny. Because, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But I think um, Abel Hernandez is a player that I think uh, could be really interesting with this, this good run of fixtures that Hull have coming up. Uh, he hasn't really had a chance to show himself yet. And, and maybe it was just a fluke that he scored early on and it's not going to last, but uh, I like that. But I, you know, I, I think he's got an, a, a chance to be a uh, pretty good striker this year. I, I wish him the best of luck. But the, the reason I think I choose Vardy over Costa is Vardy is uh, so long as he's not injured, he's guaranteed 90 minutes every single match. Yeah. And Champion, Champions League might um, mess with that a little bit. But uh, Costa, if you're looking to own these guys for long stretches of the season, Costa's going to go bad for you at some point. Yeah, I mean, he's already two yellows away from a suspension. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But I I think it's probably a wash, either one, Vardy or Costa. Yeah, and either way, they're not not getting to that template, I don't think. All right, Josh, should we take one last break and come back and preview game week five? Yeah, let's do it. Same old podcast, always cheating. Game week five coming up on Saturday. It's going to be after two Champions League fixtures. Always leads to a little bit of chaos. Uh, we'll see if there are any injuries in uh, Tuesday or Wednesday's matches. I'm particularly interested in that Leicester uh, Champions League match. I'm uh, really curious to see how they play in that one. Uh, we've already talked about my transfers. Assuming no injuries, I'm looking to drop Gesta Ramirez and bring in one of uh, Antonio Lallana or Lamella. Uh, leaning towards Antonio at the at the moment. What about you, Brandon? What's your what's your possible move uh, this week? I'm in the same boat. Uh, Ross Barkley is. I, I just feel very burned by uh, his performance against Sunderland. And at seven point was he seven point seven now? That money could be put to much better use. And even if it's another Everton midfielder, um, yeah, that's a straight swap to Sandy though. Too. I mean, there's. I guess you already have Ozil. I do have Ozil. It is an interesting prospect, though, the double up on Cazorla and Ozil. That's basically guaranteed involvement in any goal that is scored by Arsenal. Yeah. 
So um, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking to make a swap in the midfield. Uh, that's that's my move. Or or if I had the guts, I'll stick with Barkley, and I could even just play Kapui in his place and save my transfer to get Aguero in uh, in game week six. Well, it's so interesting because be it's interesting you say that, Brandon, because my clean sheet pick this week is uh, Everton. They're at home to Middlesbrough, and very disappointed for Middlesbrough. Uh, Alvaro Negredo didn't really do anything at home to Crystal Palace. Uh, no, you know, no, no real. I don't know. You got to expect a little bit more, uh, especially without without Suarez. I mean, the backbone of that Crystal Palace defense wasn't playing. I really, so. I really hope uh, <laughs> Middlesbrough. Uh, I really hope. Middlesburger, uh, Negredo, <laughs> <Middlesburger Negredo laughs> owners picked him up early and got and got their uh, got their price rise. Because if you picked up Negredo in your wild card, it's looking a little dire for you. I think it is. You might have to drop soon just to just so he doesn't drop below. Did he start off at six million? So he could. I think it was six point five. five. He was six. Was six point five? five? Okay, yeah. so he could be looking at like six point three pretty quickly here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think uh, I think I, I do not see Middlesburger scoring away to Everton. <laughs> My clean sheet pick is going to be the first cleanie for Manchester City this season. They're at home hosting Bournemouth, and uh, despite the exploits of Callum Wilson and the soon-to-be exploits of Jack Wilshere, I think City is going to shut them down for 90 minutes. Uh, who, who's, okay. who are you looking at for your captain pick this week, Josh? I guess I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm, I'm, Lukaku has turned my head a little bit, and I really like him in that Middlesbrough fixture. I'm debating between Lukaku and Ibrahimovic, and uh, I may actually end up going Lukaku in the end. Um, it just when he goes on these runs, he's he should be like this all the time, you know. Yeah. And it's I mean, this is why this is why Lukaku gets treated like he's a bad player sometimes. <laughs> like the, the way people talk about Lukaku, you wouldn't think that he's finished fourth last year in the Golden Boot. That he didn't have, I think he had you know like seventeen goals and nine assists last season or something he like that. He scored in seven straight uh, fixtures, I believe. He was chasing Jamie Vardy, who hit the record eleven. He's a great player. He's, I think he's like 22 years old still. You know, he's, he's still young. He's still figuring out. He looks like he's like 30. And so people don't always <laughs> – people treat him like he's this, you know, over-the-hill veteran or something, you know. But he's really – he's still on the way up. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see if it actually happens. So I'm, I'm leaning towards Lukaku, but uh, Ibrahimovic uh, way to Watford is a really tempting one as well. Yeah, I, I do like Ibra because I own him. But uh, I'm going to pick uh, my captain pick, a guy I don't even have on my team, Christian Benteke, against that garbage Stoke defense. I think he could he could get a brace pretty easily. I can't believe I didn't know there were two Bentekes on that Crystal Palace team. Yeah. <laughs> that was so weird when a Benteke got subbed for a Benteke. That was, yeah. that was bizarre. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. All right, I guess that'll do it for us, Josh, for uh, this episode of Always Cheating. I want to remind all of our listeners, subscribe. We're uh, on iTunes where you can leave a review for us if you like us. That helps us. We're also on SoundCloud. You you can subscribe on Stitcher Radio. We're now on Google Play, which uh, works depending on what region of planet Earth you're on. Uh, Sorry to all those UK people who couldn't uh, access us on Google Play. We're also on Acast and new this week. We added yet another uh, venue in which you can listen to Always Cheating. Tune in. Go to tunein.com and search Always Cheating. I'm also going to put a link up on uh, alwayscheating.com. Awesome. Speaking of, where, where else can people find us, Josh? They can follow us on Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters on Twitter. Uh, they can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash alwayscheating. They can email us, hailcheaters at gmail.com, and they can still join our league. If you go to our Twitter page, you can see the league code there. It's also on Facebook, and it's on our website, alwayscheating.com. 
Nice, Josh. That's all she wrote. Hail cheaters. Hambakani forever. Free Poku. Talk to you soon. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.